So we've been talking about the Romans 8 company. And if you look at Romans chapter 8, it says there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So last week I spoke about the winning mindsets of the Romans 8 company, and I'm going to continue on with that. And this is the verse, it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind, the natural mind that is, is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. This is amazing. It says that your mind and my mind is at enmity with God. As good a person as you are or I am, we must all admit that we have mental problems from time to time. And we've got to allow God to do something with our mind. Did you catch this last week, the word that was spoken by Smith Wigglesworth in 1946? It was on Facebook, so it must be true. I believe he did say this. When the current church phase is on the decline, there will be something that has not been seen before. It will be a coming together of those with an emphasis on the Word and those with an emphasis on the Spirit. When the Word and the Spirit come together, there will be the biggest move of the Holy Spirit, the nation and indeed the world has ever seen. It will mark the beginning of the revival that will eclipse everything that has been witnessed. This is a tremendous time. Can we just pray this morning? Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Father, I thank you that you are raising up your people, that you're raising up your church in the nations, we can't always see what's going on, but you are doing something very powerful. And Father, the challenge that is over us is that we would step up during this hour and become that Romans 8 company that we've been talking about. Father, I pray that this morning you would just release something new into our heart. I pray that we would catch it, that we would not miss it and that we would be part of this revival, part of this incredible new move that is without a doubt going to hit the nations in Jesus' name. Amen. So something is happening, you know, on the earth. Something is happening in the nations. And one of those things that we all need to know about, I'll, I'll just step down here and come down here so if I see any of you who haven't caught it, I'll help you. <laughs> Lynn's got three bottles of water in her bag and uh, Pastor Julian's just offered me another one. So firstly, there's something happening around the earth right now and it is what, what uh, is called an avalanche of deception. And this is one of the greatest signs of the times that we're living in that nations are moving away from the foundations of truth that they've been built on. 
So there's something going on, it's deception. And the scripture says, be careful who you listen to. So we need to make sure that we're tuned into the right voice, that we are listening to the right people, but above all, that we are connected in a very intimate way to the Holy Spirit. Because ultimately, it is only the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, that is going to bring us back to the foundations. Jesus said, he promised to his disciples, I must go away so that I can send you the spirit of truth. And he is going to lead you into all truth. So one of the, uh, one of the most obvious things that is going to happen in the future is there's going to be like a line in the sand more and more. We're seeing that line in the sand happening in the nations, where it's those who are overtaken by the avalanche of deception that has even touched, it's touched every system on the earth. And we can get caught up in the avalanche of deception and we can become deceived ourselves because the scripture even warns about the elect. Even the elect can be deceived. Even those that are chosen by God, called by God and have responded to God, are susceptible to deception in this hour because there is so much of it. It's coming through every agency on the earth. This is one of the signs of the times. But it is also an incredible time because if you go back to the word that Smith Wigglesworth talks about, it is this very time that something's happening in the background. And we've been talking about this for a while. And it's like, you know, for those who like to surf, I never have, but I understand the principles, is that if you stand on the beach and you look right out to the horizon, you can hardly see what is beginning to happen. But there is a swell, there's something happening, the wave is beginning to rise that is going to hit the earth. And I really believe there's a couple of things going to happen. One is deception is going to, uh, going to continue and increase and even escalate. And it's amazing, if you tell a lie long enough and you are persuasive enough, eventually people will believe it. And this is what's been going on on the earth. But at the same time, God is raising up his people, the church of the living God, And this church that God is raising up across the earth, across the region and across cities is like the remnant church that God is bringing together to usher in this great move of God that's prophesied not only by Smith Wigglesworth but in the scripture over and over again. And in Joel chapter 2.28, it says, In the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Is what it says, Joel chapter 2.28. And on the day of Pentecost, with the outpouring in the upper room, is the disciples got up. Peter spoke out that verse and he said, this is that spoken by the prophet Joel. But do you know what begun is now being finished in in every nation? And this is where Renee picked up and she spoke about a finishing generation. You know, the first generation was Jesus himself, but then those that were in the upper room. That's the beginning generation. That's where it all started. That is where the church was born in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. Next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday, by the way. And I really believe that this Pentecost symbolises, certainly to me and leaders like me all around the place, that God is about ready to pour out his spirit again and there will be an absolute fulfilment of what the prophet Joel said in every nation. Amen? Something is happening 
And, you know, our mind often can't catch up. Our mind is often stuck. But something great is about ready to happen. The greatest move to date began when Jesus came into the earth. That was the greatest move of God in history. And that was consummated in the upper room. And throughout history, there have been great moves of God in different nations and in different ways. And, you know, we're thankful that we're in a stable here. The Pentecostal move, which is where we have some of our roots, begun in a stable in Azusa Street. I believe in this little place that God's going to birth a move of God that is going to touch the city, the region, and I'll be praying the nation. Now, that's, it's not all about us. It's about everybody, everywhere that God is raising to be part of this Romans 8 company. And let me tell you, we have got a choice of being a religious body of people, having a form of godliness, but not much power, or we can really rise and change the way that we think and we can become that Romans 8 company. Now, there's a very clear invitation this morning. You and I and this church can be part of that move. And we can be a significant initiator in that move. It doesn't take a big church. There's a lot of big churches around the nation, but they have not been catalysts for change. But Jesus was a catalyst for change. And the 12 were a catalyst for change. And the 120 in the room were a catalyst for change. And I'm feeling good about that because I want to be a catalyst for change. And it all is, comes down to whether we will answer the call to step up and become part of that uh, Romans 8 company, that last day's company, that church of the living God that God is raising up throughout the land. So the first great move was Jesus. And it was the appearance of the Son of God. But the last great move is spoken of in, also in Romans chapter 8. And it talks about, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. In other words, do you know what? People out there think, oh, well, if we had a new government, if it was the other party that were in power, or if this happened or if that happened, everything would be all right. And the whole of the earth has got its mind set somewhere. But there is a Romans 8 company, they're like a first fruits company, that are going, hang on, there's another answer. And it is God that's the answer. And you know, when we become real partners with God, we become that answer in that locality, in that city. What began in the upper room in Jerusalem, over 2,000 years ago, we have got a responsibility to finish the work that was done. Yeah. Well done, Renee, for bringing that word. Yes. And we need to catch it. Because you know you can hear a message this morning. You know, you can think, who's this bloke? What's he on about? Well, I tell you what, I've been hammering this drum for 30 years here in this city. And I'm fair dinkum about it. And anybody will get close enough to me, I will try and convert them to my way of thinking. Do you know what many people in the church need converting? There is a scripture says, many who believe turn to the Lord that day. Isn't that amazing? You can believe, but you've still got to turn to the Lord. The greatest move was when Jesus turned up on the earth. But the next great move is the rising of this Romans 8 company. Do you want to be in that? Yeah. Yep. You want to be in? Yeah. Sort of like you've got to get enlisted. 
You know, it's, it's not like conscription, you know, national service where you get called up and you've all got to go. This is a free will thing where God is sending out the call. And the call is, do you want to be part of this company? Do you want to be part of this people? And you go, yes or no. It's that simple. God's calling us up. You know, for as long as I can remember, God's been calling people up. He wants us to go further. He wants us to catch this. So the next great move is a Romans 8 move. It's people of the Spirit that God's going to raise up in every locality. And it says for the sufferings of this present time. You know, you go through some suffering along the way if you're going to follow Jesus. Don't worry, people out there who are not following Jesus, they're suffering too. But when you're following Christ, it adds context to your suffering. Because everything that God is doing in your life is producing a result. The revealing of the sons of God is the most exciting time. And you know, this has happened in every generation. In every generation, God's raised up his sons. Back 500 years ago, God raised up Luther. He was a son. He was someone who said, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to set the pace in my generation. Wesley and, uh, you know, all these men like this, uh, they, they were finny, you know, they were sons of God. In other words, they weren't regular believers who settled into church life. They were like the revivalists of the day. They were the go-against-the-flow type of people. There was D.L. Moody and, you know, Billy Graham and all these men. You know, I'm sure that you, one of those men, has influenced you somewhere in your life. Then in in Azusa Street, in, in Bonnie Bray House, rather, Bonnie Bray Street in Los Angeles, a group of people back in the uh, 1900s, 1905, 1906, get down there and start to pray and fast that God would pour out his spirit, just like in the book of Pentecost. And they prayed and they prayed. For 40 days they prayed and they fasted. Next thing, the Pentecostal revival broke out. It was just a little house in a side street, something like what you would see in Carlton, you know, in one of those little side streets. And, uh, you know, I went there and I stood right there on the balcony. I thought, wow, this is where it happened. And, and just looked up and down this street and the story goes that hundreds of people gathered, sometimes thousands, to hear these men who had had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And the move of God became such a problem. Imagine that, that the move of God became a problem. People couldn't get their horses and carts through. They couldn't get through to their home. So they had to move the revival to Azusa Street, to a stable. And there the move of God was consolidated so powerfully. Do you know how dramatic that move of God was? You know, people used to, during the worship, see a cloud... The cloud of glory, the Shekinah glory came into the meetings. And it was confusing sometimes because it could have been partly the dust coming from the floor. But there was a move of God that where people's bodies were restored, people were healed. And God opened up a move of God that was very similar to the book of Acts. But see, it's always waiting for a people who will set their mind on the things of the Spirit and not just the things of the flesh. Because every day we are setting our mind somehow and we can set our mind right or wrong. Probably the correct English is correctly or incorrectly. But we can set our minds on the things of the flesh. You know, and now the flesh in this generation is so demanding. The way that it comes at you through social media and every other kind of media, but God is looking for a generation who will say, I'm not going to follow that path. I'm going to step out and I'm going to set my mind on the things of the Spirit. I'm going to set my mind on what God wants to do in this city, in this generation, with me, my wife, my family, 
And it's always bigger than your, you and your wife and your family. You know, if you set your mind on the things of the flesh, the Bible says, you'll die. If you set your mind on the things of the Spirit, you will live. And this works in every area. You know, if you look at another person and you look at them through the eyes of the flesh, that will eventually destroy that relationship. But if you look at someone through the eyes of the Spirit and you see the great hope and you see what God wants to do through them and you can see what God wants to do for you together, that relationship will live. I absolutely look at my spiritual father and I'm amazed because he has had virtually, like almost like a death sentence over him with his health condition. And I've seen him not give in to that. I've seen him stand up and he went into God about it and God spoke to him about 20 years of open heaven. And I tell you, we're, we're a couple of years down the track and every time I see my spiritual father get up and preach, it's like he is preaching himself healthy again. Because if you set your mind on the things of the flesh, you'll just die. You'll just quit. You'll just give up. And a lot of people have and a lot of people do. But if we can try and train our mind to set our minds on the things of the Spirit, we will live. We will live and we will impart life wherever we go. So we've got to have the right mindset. Because the battleground is the mind. The battleground is the mind. The first place that our adversary, the devil, will attack is the mind. And that's what's going on. I tell you what, the attack is on the mind of this generation. Whatever possessions the mind, whatever is the prevailing mindset on that generation will make them or break them. And this is where we need to cry out for this generation. We don't want to be just casual with this generation that's rising. We need to cry out for this generation because it is a multitude. There's a multitude of young people that are in the valley of decision and sliding away from all hope. See, we got two choices. So we spoke about we need to be ready to capture that move because that move's coming, ready or not. You know, God doesn't always tell you when he's going to turn up and he's going to move. People with prophetic insight can look to the horizon and they'll see it coming. Everyone else says, what happened? So they're up in the upper room and there's 120 of them there. Good on them for being there. They knew something. They knew there was a wave on the horizon. But then the Bible says, and suddenly, suddenly there was a sound. Suddenly there was something happening. Now, on Friday night down here, the Friday before last, we've been rocking along for youth for, uh, you know, while we've been able to have the building open and kids have been coming and then Mark gave his testimony the week before last and uh, I think six kids gave their heart to the Lord. Isn't that awesome? I think we should give the Lord a clap right there. Six kids just turned up. Now, this Friday night, Julian sends out the call, help! There's 40 kids down here and I can't control them. I need help. Isn't that amazing? Some of you look, what? What happened? Because you haven't caught it. Yes. Get me the bottle then. No, it's all right. <laughs> Only joking. <laughs> I wouldn't do that to you, Lenny. <laughs> so, so we had a mini panic and all of a sudden people were coming to help. Now, this is biblical. Something's going on. And wherever you have churches like this, and you keep sowing and you keep sowing and you keep sowing, and you keep praying and you keep praying and you keep praying and you keep inviting. You know, the kids went out. Levi, he's 13. He went out with the guys the Friday before last inviting people and they started coming. Get ready. You ain't ready. I can tell. Do you know why? I can see your posture. 
I'm not looking at anyone in particular, <laughs> but you don't look ready. But it's coming. In fact, it's here. Yes. Something's going on. Amen. I tell you, you know, what the move of God's happened when you don't have to go out on the street inviting people because they're turning up into your building. Do you know what they're going? I'm here. Give me the answer. Yeah, that's right. So let's rise and let's be part of that answer, part of that generation. So the preparedness and the readiness of this generation is vital. And I want to encourage you to go back and listen to the messages that have been spoken about this. Because it's important that we all go there together and we all understand. Last week I spoke about the prevailing mindsets, the winning mindsets of this company of people that God's calling out. Number one, their mind is set on the presence of God. Number two, their mind is set on His purpose and his priorities. Number three, they're set on, their minds are set on supernatural provision. Man, I've had to learn that one. But when I've learned it, I think, I just believe God will give, he will give me everything I need to complete my assignment. He will move on my behalf and he will do it. As long as I'm aligned him, I believe that. And that is just not me in the natural. I had to learn that. And number, uh, number four, the mind must be set on the power of the cross because that's the message. The power of the cross is the message. It never changes. This morning, I want to give you a few more points about this mindset that we've got to have if we're going to become part of that Romans 8 company. And number one this morning, we must set our mind on receiving the preceding word, the prophetic word. We must set our mind on receiving. Can we all say that together? We must set our mind on receiving. That was very Lutheran. We must set our mind on receiving. We're getting charismatic now. Okay, one more time. We must set our mind on receiving. That's full-blown apostolic. We must set our mind on receiving. 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 Jesus said, I don't live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's not every word that is written, although it's very, it's confirmed and related to that, but this is the word that is proceeding right now, and it's the word that Renee was talking about when she said, you've got to catch it. I'll tell you why you've got to catch it, because your mind is a problem. Turn to the person next to you and say, your mind is a problem. Some of you go, who? My mind. Now listen to this. You've got a natural mind and the Bible says that the natural mind and the spiritual mind are at enmity with one another. They are all the time. I saw the most amazing miracle happen in Terelgan which showed me this. You might have been there. But there's a bloke by the name of Rafshaw, a radical guy from South Australia was there. He prayed for people and people, like real miracles. And there was a guy there and he was in pain on the floor. He was in pain with back, chronic back, bad back for years. Anyhow, Raf said to him, you're healed. And he goes, I'm in pain. He goes, you're healed. He says, I'm not, I'm in pain. And he said, say you're healed. And as soon as he said, I'm healed, God struck that bloke and he jumped up off the floor and he ran around that building. Did you see that, Lenny? It was like one of the most amazing miracles I've seen. But see, God can't break into our world because of our natural thinking. Even some of you are looking at me and thinking, oh, this is strange. No, you're strange. (laughs) 
Some of you are thinking, I wish Julian had preached. Shut up. <laughs> He's just nicer to you than I am. That's all it is. And preaches shorter and we get home to go, go have lunch earlier. The problem is the mind. Yeah, that's right. Because the mind is at enmity with God. It fights God on everything. It fights God. You've got to admit, I'm pushing this, because yeah. you've got to admit that your mind fights God on everything. Amen. Your mind, my mind. But there's hope because God can turn our mind around. I mentioned it before. You know, back, God gave us a vision for this building for 35 years ago, but it took a long, long time before I was ready to walk that walk. And God used sons. He raised them up to open this up. And, you know, the lesson you learn through the whole thing, wow, if God can do this, why can't he do this in a nation? He can, but we've got to develop our mind and reset our mind the right way. So firstly, our word has got to become set on receiving the preceding word. It's like you can catch it because your mind is set. Instead of arguing, like some of you are having an internal argument right now. You're arguing with yourself. It's your fight, it's not mine. It's funny to watch. <laughs> it really is. You're funny. I love you, but you're funny. So when we learn to set our mind on what God is saying, we can really break through. We can touch the realm of the Spirit in a completely different way. You know, we might be like that lame man who's, who had his back thing and he just jumped off and away he went. Because God's got to break through the old mindset. And sometimes, I tell you what, minds can be set strong. Do you, do you know people with mindsets? Yoli, do you know people with mindsets? Okay. I want to ask you who, but do you know people who have got mindsets? Are you married to a person with a mindset? Let's get right down. We'll have counselling session after. But see, your mind has got to become set on what God's saying to you, on what God's saying in the house. Doesn't mean every word that comes is accurate or perfect. Does not mean that, but you've got to be able to pick up and catch it. You've got to catch it. If you, if you start to catch it, you can experience all sorts of breakthroughs. We can receive in such a way that we hear and respond deeply. That we hear and respond deeply. Deeply. It's like when God speaks, we can be familiar, we can be flippant and casual. And that is the response of the natural mind. But the spirit mind is like a trap. It sort of knows, it's learnt, the, it's learnt, the, learnt what's coming from God and when it picks up God, it just goes, that's mine. That's mine. On occasions I've sat in the conference in Malaysia and I've been under the prophetic word and it's like I can pick what's mine. Yeah. I know what's mine. And it's like I bring myself under his instructions. Yeah. We've got to learn to love the word of God that is proceeding from the throne room every day. So our lives need to be restructured inside. You know, we need to be rebuilt inside. It's like we need to be realigned inside. It's like tuning a radio station. You've got to realign. You've got to have it on the inside to pick up what God's saying. And you can build your life like this. This is what I, I really desire with our young people, that they know how to build their life and how to hear his voice. Yes. His voice must impact me, move me, 
and shape me. His voice must impact me. Say that, impact me. Shape me. Move me. That's the correct response. But you know, we get caught in this realm of maybe. Maybe that was God. Maybe that was not. You know, it's like this area of the voice of God is, you know, one of the most important. What is God saying? God will put lives back together. God will restore people's lives, but you've got to come back and say, what's God saying? You know, if you look at the book of Revelation, listen, it says, listen to what the Spirit is saying to the church. Listen to what the Spirit is saying to the church. And you know, what you're hearing here, I tell you, you'll hear it in a lot of other places. You'll hear it in a lot of other places and there's two churches emerging. One that is setting its mind on the natural and the other one that God's going to use. He's going to raise it up. It's a remnant church. Number one this morning is we need to set our mind on receiving the prophetic word, the preceding word. Number two, we must have our mind set on powerful partnerships to complete the assignment. This is going to be a feature of the church in this day. We can't do this alone. We are not called to do it alone. Alone is not good. I really believe that God is calling me into this realm to bring a change in our own environment. Because one of the things I caught in Malaysia eight years ago, sitting there in the conference, the Lord spoke to me and he said, gather the region. And there was two things. I thought, why would God ask me to do that? Anyhow, after I dealt with my own natural mind, I turned to Pastor Graham, who was sitting beside me, and he said, God just asked me to gather the region. And he said, why? That really encouraged me, so I had to battle his natural mind. Not only mine, but do you know what? Eight years ago, we started to invite people, other uh, pastors and leaders, to communicate and connect, and God's really doing something. But now, all of a sudden, God's asked me and this little old church to do that right across the state of Victoria. So you've got to pick up the word and you've got to do the word. But do you know what? You can't do it alone. We can't do it alone. We are one church in the city. We have a very important role to play in the region. But God's going to bring others. Others who have a partnership anointing. Do you know what? You must, everyone who's part of this Romans 8 company, you will so prefer what God's doing for your brother or your sister. You know, post-war was all about the size of the church. You know, how big's your church? You know, that's the kind of discussion you have. It's childish. It's not how big the church is. If it is, Jesus was a failure. It's about what's in the church. You know, you've got to develop the ability to cross the room and make partnerships with people to advance the kingdom. Because what I don't have, Pastor Graham has, or Pastor Simon, or the other churches in Gippsland that we're connecting with, this is really important. God's going to bring the church together. He is going to make us one. The problem in Australia is independence. It's the predisposition to be alone and to do things alone. My spiritual father says often, success is not a solo project. If you want to go fast, you'll do it alone. But if you want to go far, you've got to find your partners. 
I'm a partnership man. I'm into partnerships. I can make alliances with other people. I've got to do it. There's not going to be one move that brings the nation. There's going to be one church rise in the nation. There's going to be a band of brothers and sisters. There's going to be a corporate army that God raises in this nation to turn it round. So we're in it together. It's like a marriage. It really is. That's the way God intended us to be. It's like covenant relationship. That's God's standard. But you know, in our love for numbers and success, people come to church, but don't ever become part of the church, don't ever catch it. But it's all about our ability to partner. You know, if we really partner... We can see a city change, we can see a region change, and we can see a nation change. But do you know what? It's not easy. It ain't easy. God's got to deal with the carnal mind. The partnership anointing is being released into the body of Christ right now. The partnership anointing. You're going to see people come together from all across the city, the region, and stand together, and it's going to be amazing. It's a great account of it in Luke chapter 5, verse 4, where Jesus came and was, uh, met the disciples there, and they hadn't caught anything all night. And he said, he said to them, launch out into the deep. And they said, but we haven't caught anything. He said, just do what I told you. So... You know, they've been there all night. And here's this guy comes along. Throw out your nets. So they heave out the nets. And next thing there is a catch so big that it started to break the nets and sink the boats. And it says a little further down, so they signaled to their partners. Partnerships are not easy. Because normally in partnerships you've got to have a senior partner. But do you know, when it comes to this thing, our senior partner has got to be the Holy Ghost. I really believe there's going to be a great release, even in the house, of ability to be able to do things together. You know, we did this together. Amazing. But it has not stopped there. It's about ready to start again, I really believe. Where are there things that we will do together in the city that are a witness and an example to the city? Uh, Which reminds me is that I think next week the pilot's graduation is going to be in here. And if you are asked to help, please put yourself out to really help with that. Uh, Because the job is very big for Joel and Sarah. Amen. So just whatever you're asked to do, just uh, whether it's move this stuff out, you know, that's all there while the building next door is getting done and, you know, we just haven't got enough room. But let's work together. And in this, God's training us to cooperate and to work together. Man, it's hard to get people to work together in the kingdom. And because of that, the kingdom does not advance. The third one this morning is that our mind must become set on the wonderful possibilities of faith. The wonderful possibilities of faith. This is where some of us have got to uproot some things in our thinking. Because we can become impossibility thinkers and we can start to say things like, nothing ever good works for me. I get so close and it's like it's cut off and we say it in our own mind. And there's a limitation that has been set in the flesh. But I want you to know that in this season, this is a great day, a great season where this company arising and their mind will be set on the wonderful possibilities of faith. Get ready. God is moving now. He's moving now. Jesus said to the first generation, don't 
say, three months down the track. Now the fields are ready to harvest. Get ready. God is moving. This is the now season for this church. Impossibility thinking is restrictive thinking. And it must be identified and eliminated. Fill your heart and mind with the right thoughts. And your mouth with the right words. You know, we were brought up on verses like Joshua 1.8. Don't let this book of the Lord depart from out of your mouth, but meditate on it day and night so that you may observe to everything is written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous. Then you'll have good success. Psalm 119 verse 1. Your word I've laid up in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Psalm 33. Tie the word around your neck. Bind it to your heart. Proverbs 18.21. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. Yeah. So, you know, it's really setting your mind on the possibilities. Do you know, in this time, God's going to pour his spirit out afresh on the church. And as this Romans 8 company responds, God will back them all the way. Nothing will be impossible. You must attach yourself to the possibilities of God. The possibilities of faith. All things are possible the scripture says, to those that believe. Number four, must be set on productivity in the kingdom. Allow yourself to enlarge your capacity. How do you do it? Keep saying yes. This is how you enlarge your capacity. Sarah preached a wonderful message at the start of last year on enlarging your capacity. You should dig it out and have a listen to it. You should repost it because it was brilliant. When you keep saying yes, your capacity will just get bigger and bigger and bigger. Larger and larger. God will put your family in your heart, but then a church and maybe a nation. You've just got to keep saying yes. God wants you to bear fruit. This is a couple of verses from the scripture. Now listen to this. This is important. Because you've got to set your mind on productivity. If you go to work and you're working in a, in a real job in the real world, if you're not productive, they'll say, see you later. But we allow ourselves to function in the kingdom and never produce. Have a listen to this. This is how you change that. Like if, if you've never led a person to the Lord, you've never invited a person to a church and you've been around for 20 years, that's not normal. It's time to change that. And God's given us a way to change it. It's in John chapter 5, verse 15, 7. It says, if you abide in my word, if you abide in my word, and my, if you abide in, in me and I abide in you, you will ask and I'll give you what you ask. Ask God to turn something around during this season. Ask God to make you fruitful. Listen to this. Galatians 5.22, there's fruit of the Spirit. There's two types of fruit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Long-suffering. Man, if you're a pastor, you will have long-suffering. It's like you pray, when are they going to change? (laughs) Anyway, Corey understands. He taught me it. (laughs) Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, gentleness, self-control. They're the fruits of the Spirit. But there's also the fruit of discipleship. This is the multiplication factor. And that's other disciples. If you've never had a breakthrough, pray. Because now's your time. Listen to this, John 15, 8. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. And so prove that you are my disciples. 
Isn't that interesting? I think God's going to bring us into this space where there's a new passion and a new fire to see people come to the Lord. You know, a big inaccuracy is we get so comfortable with one another and happy to see one another that new people can almost spoil your fun. (laughs) For some reason, people think like that. I just think it's the dumbest way to think. We're here to reach the city. God, one, wants you to become a true disciple. True disciple disciples other people, according to this verse. Do you want me to read it again? By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. That's people. The fruit of the Spirit in other people. So you prove that you are my disciples. God does not want you just to be a good person. He wants you to be a fruitful person. That's the proof. Do you know what? There is good people everywhere in the city, all over, good people. But that's not the proof. The proof is of a mature disciple is that the fruit that is in your life is being reproduced in another. Amen? Amen? That's Romans 8 company. So think about that. Those three verses are John 15, 7, Galatians 5, 22, and John 15, 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Not just a little bit, a lot. Heaps. And so prove that you're my disciples. And the last point this morning is the person of Christ. It all comes back to him. Our mind must be set on him. Our mind must be set on Jesus. On what he did on the cross. Our mind must be set there. And we're continually thankful for what happened on the cross and the shedding of his blood. But the other aspect of Christ is the formation of Christ on the inside. It's what God's doing on the inside. Amen? God wants you to be part of this Romans 8 company. God's going to do something amazing on the earth. But it involves you. It involves you saying, I'm saying yes to that. And right now, I think your mind, say, for instance, when we talk about fruitfulness in discipleship, your mind can argue that down. But on the inside of your heart, you just say, yes. God, show me how to do this. Show me how to break in. And do you know when you pray like that, God will begin to speak to you. That's the preceding word. It's like, I don't need, I don't know how to do lots of stuff. But when I really know that God's called me to do something and I say yes to him, he starts to speak to me. He starts to speak to me. Amen? It's a good day for you. Amen? It's a wonderful day for our church. People are very lost. And God's waiting for a Romans 8 company to rise things are going to shake more the budget all looks good but our nation is in debt like never before but God's going to raise a people who are an answer let's not just go to church let's become part of that company amen God's calling you He's calling you to come further than you ever have before. He's calling you to break the impossibility thinking that has dogged you. Man, this used to dog me. Used to lose sleep over it. Now, a little tell you now, I don't lose sleep over anything (laughs) because I've learnt this. I've learnt this. God actually likes me. 
He actually does. He's called me, and because I've said yes, he's backing me with everything. And I can't fail unless I do stupid things. Amen? This is a good time. Is God speaking to you? Thank God for our visitors this morning. Really great to have you with us. And I pray that God's really spoken to you guys. God's been at work on us for quite a while, bring us into this building. But I sense the next stage is going to be wonderful. He gave us a building like this. Do you know what? Blows me away. Forever thankful to the people that made it possible. You know, all it was was an idea, a vision, a dream. Kept saying, one day, one day, one day we'll get there. And then one day we tried to do this in our own strength. About 14 years ago, the approval came through. And about a week before settlement, God shut the door on us. I was so mad. I walked down that laneway because we'd even been given the keys and we'd had worship in here. I said, I'll never talk about that building again. And I shook the dust off my feet and I said, nothing is going to work in there. Anyhow, God was true to the vision he gave us 35 years ago and we are here. Get attached to the possibilities of faith because it's all about timing. There's no accidents in the kingdom of God. There's no accidents in the kingdom of God. Going broke is not an accident. I've been broke. Best thing that I ever learnt to go through. Because I was so dependent on money. I sold the house, sold the car, business shut down. Lynn stayed with me, thank God. (laughs) Went from driving a Calais with leather seats to driving an old Peugeot that was beat up and blowing blue smoke. (laughs) Best lesson I ever learnt, but God had more lessons for me to learn. This time, 20 years ago, this time, I had a nervous breakdown. Called it burnout. It was a flame and mental breakdown. I lost the plot. God taught me something. People said, you've got to get out of the ministry because it keeps coming back, it keeps coming back, it keeps coming back. Man, I tell you, not a shadow. I'll tell you why. I realise God loves me. And he's backed me with his resources and people. Just thank God you're here. You can talk about it till the cows come home. The goodness of God, God will not fail you. But I tell you what, if you're sticking your neck out there in your own strength, oh, welcome to the world of burnout. You're going there. Come and talk to me before it's too late. Amen. Let me pray for you. If you just uh, really feel that God's calling you forward into something new, just in some way just respond to him wherever you are this morning, just call out to him, look to him. Gosh, there's so much hidden on the inside of you that the world doesn't even know there. it's there. You don't even know it's there. But God sees it. It's like this woman who just had, what did she have? Just a little, what was it, a mite? A couple of mites. And that's all she had to give. But man, when she gave that, She went down in history, didn't she? What do you got? Give it to God this morning. Amen. Give it to God. I thank God for you. I thank God for every person that's here. I thank God that you've called them to be on the planet now. Man, this amazes me. I read about Daniel and Elijah and all they guys, and and I go, God, am I the best you've got? I think like that sometimes. But no, God's put you here. He has put you here. 
and God is going to do something in you. But you've got to learn to say yes and take a step of faith. In Jesus' name. I just release the spirit of faith over this building in Jesus' name, over every person. Oh man, some great stories of faith are going to come out of here of pioneers who changed their world in their lifetime. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.